This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com. It's Thursday, October 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Thursday. Thank you. If you're a Washington Nationals fan, it's a very happy Thursday. Ugh. Like our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd. He's tired, but boy, is he happy. Impressed that he made it in. <laughs> uh, there were threats that he would not, posted publicly on Twitter, as I recall. Threats by himself, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he made it in. You know why? Dan Boyd is a game day player. Uh, we've got a new CEO to talk about. We're going to dip into the full mailbag, but we're going to start with Delta Airlines. Third quarter results for Delta, everything appears to be up. Yes, not only appears, everything is up. Well, I mean, the stock is down, but profits are up, demand is up, but costs are also up. And I'm assuming that's why shares of Delta are down about 3%. Yeah, and projected to continue rising. Uh, the employee costs being highlighted by Delta as uh, being something that will um, prevent them from translating the same sort of revenue growth into profits uh, going forward that they they just pulled off because it was a very uh, comprehensive uh, you know quarter in terms of adjusted earnings per share were up 29 percent uh, off of a six percent top line so the margins got better uh, in the quarter but going forward less so. So, we've talked for a while now about how, in general, the business of running an airline has gotten better. It's gotten, they, the airlines have gotten better at running them. They are more profitable. And in some ways, the only evidence you need of that is the fact that Berkshire Hathaway has bought shares of a bunch of different airlines over the last couple of years. How much better can this get? I'm, you know, I'm wondering if, it's been a good run in terms of airline stocks, but I'm wondering if the next three to five years are going to be not nearly as profitable and therefore not nearly as good for the stocks as the past few years have been. Well, you can get it's cyclical, of course, and so things are good right now. The U.S. economy is still pretty strong, uh, and looking forward, I think there's a little bit more uncertainty both about the domestic economy and uh, Europe, and I, I think that's one of the things that the market may be looking at today is the cyclicality of things. How much better can they get uh, when Delta was on the right side of the uh, Boeing 737 Max um, issue and not having any of those, uh, and Southwest seeded uh, a number of. Um, Flights. They they had to cancel flights because of of the issues with the aircraft, and and others. And Delta was not in the same boat regarding that, so they were in the right place, not having any. And you know, going forward, the other airlines will and have made adjustments to what they had to had to do. So the stock is down a little bit today, but shares of Delta are basically where they were a year ago. It's visited different places in between then and now. But I'm curious, when you look at this stock, do you think it looks expensive? Is this a buying opportunity, or is it um, not so attractive? I would say that you know where there are stocks that, in in terms of where the stock price visits, sometimes talk about stocks visiting a number of interesting places. Yeah, and and Delta really hasn't. It's it's sort of hovered around 
basically 45 to 55, more or less, hitting 60 a couple of times. You go back five years, and really, you got a $50 stock, you got a $52 stock today. Uh, it's paid a decent dividend, 3% yield right now. Uh, you know, buy it when it's below 50 and sell it when it's close to 60, and you would have made some money over the last few years. Otherwise, you haven't really compounded. The stock of the day is Bed Bath & Beyond. Shares are up 23% on the news that Mark Tritton will be the new CEO at Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, past few years, he has been the Executive Vice President and Chief Merchandising Officer at Target. Uh, before that, he was at Nordstrom, Timberland, Nike. Congrats to the people at Bed Bath & Beyond, not just because the stock is up 23% today, but they appear to have gotten an ideal person to run their retailer. Although, I, I did smile at one report I saw, and I'm going to quote directly from that uh, news report that said, <laughs> referring to Triton, his first order of business at Bed Bath & Beyond will be to improve the in-store and online shopping experiences for customers, as well as widen the company's merchandise assortment. Which I think is a really lengthy way of saying, his first order of business is everything. Yeah, it's to fix the mess. It's <laughs> to, it's to fix absolutely everything. But by the way, you look at this guy's resume. I, one of my reactions to this was, if this guy can't fix Bed Bath and Beyond, shut the whole thing down. Uh, it may be an either or in in that regard, and so I think they have found a, an ideal candidate, at least from the resume. And it's boy, you talk about an easy act to follow. Uh, this is uh, this is one of the Hall of Famers, I think. Uh, previous uh, CEO was driven out for a, a number of cases of alleged nepotism, um, and. Uh, you know, obviously, the stock hasn't done anything for the better part of a decade or longer, and so no, sure it has. It, it, it's done something. It's just gone down. <laughs> it's gone. It's done nothing positive. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, is uh, the new CEO up to the job? Well, we'll find out. It's a big, big, big job, and I'm sure that he's getting uh, very, very well paid uh, to leave Target for uh, for. Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm sure that what we will see is some major costs uh, being taken in the first quarter or two. The proverbial big bath uh, accounting is forthcoming as uh, things are written down. Uh, maybe some of the so it's Bed Bath and Beyond has got a lot of other brands. Uh, going on there besides uh, the namesake, it's got Bye Bye Baby. It's got linens and things. Sorry, it doesn't have. That's one of the competitors, Bye Bye Baby. It's got um, uh, just Christmas tree stores, Cost Plus, World Markets, um, Christmas tree shops. That is Harmon. Um, you know, it's got a lot of things that may not be part of you know Bed Bath and Beyond 2.0. Oh yeah, I, I mean. When you bring in someone like this, you just give them all the leeway they want for the next couple of years. And if you're Triton, everything is on the table. And to your point, absolutely looking at some of these other brands and just shutting them. Yeah, or or selling them off or or something. Yeah, uh, and and not being part of the core. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I, as part of his. Uh, you know, interviewing for the job, I'm sure he 
set forward a plan of what is going to be emphasized, what's going to be kept, what he would like to see changed or gotten rid of. So, you know, internally there may not be great surprises about that, but uh, boy, there are a lot of poor parts uh, and and a lot of a lot of choices here. So I think that. Uh, uh, getting uh, down smaller in terms of physical stores, I think, is going to continue. I think it has to continue here, and uh, the online operation is going to be uh, e- either that is going to dramatically improve, or I think we're looking at the end of the line. I'm assuming some of what we're seeing with the stock today is short sellers just covering their short. Yes, I'm. That was my first thought that they a move of this amount, twenty percent. Uh, of course, the stock had been driven pretty low, and I can remember looking at it a couple of weeks ago and thinking, "Well, this looks like a pretty good short candidate. It's been a good short candidate for a long time, but nothing's changed, and the same store sales numbers keep coming out and keep uh, being negative and keep being more negative than you would have thought. And so maybe this is a good short candidate. A lot of other people were thinking the same thing, and now they've got to rethink that. Quick shout out to NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, then you don't know your business. And the problem that growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is the patchwork quilt of business systems one for sales, one for accounting, one for inventory. It's inefficient, it takes too much time and too many resources. And that hurts the bottom line. And that's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. It gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. And that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite's offering you valuable insights with a free guide. It's called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, and you can find it at netsuite.com/fool. That's netsuite.com/fool. Download your free guide. It's free. I mean, come on. It's free, and it's going to help you grow your profits. Seven key strategies to grow your profits. Go to netsuite.com. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Sarah in Phoenix, Arizona. How bad a sign is it when a company has a reverse stock split? Pretty bad, <laughs> is the short answer. Depends if you're long or short. <laughs> That's true. I mean, what it is. What so, for, so, for those unfamiliar, what is a reverse stock split? Because stock splits, I mean, who doesn't like a good stock split? Two yeah. for one, you get twice as many shares. Stock split back in the day, more common than they are now. But uh, you know, stock got up to ooh as much as sixty dollars. You would split it. Uh, then it became you had two shares at thirty dollars each, rather than one share at sixty. And uh, that was a product of the fact that a lot of people like to buy shares in one hundred. Uh, share lots, and and now that everything is is online and digitized, uh, it, it's it's a very different world. Stock split, reverse stock split. Oh, instead of your ten shares of a fifty cent stock, you now have one share of a five dollar stock. Uh, and so, if your stock is down at the level where you would consider a reverse stock split, it's probably less than two dollars, probably less than one. Uh, in a lot of cases, and the signal that a stock that low is sending to investors is this is not much of a company, uh, and just the 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 quick it it doesn't really matter what the per share price is, but stocks don't come public at two not real 
companies at two or three dollars a share. So if it's down to something in what we call the penny stock land, whether it's actual pennies or just dollar twenty, something like that, it's selling. It's showing to investors this something has gone drastically wrong here. And in the same way that when a company cuts their dividend, sometimes we will say of that company, "Well, this is the right move from a capital allocation standpoint." From a number of business standpoints. It can make sense to do a reverse stock split. I mean, this is a way that companies can avoid being delisted by the Nasdaq or the New York Stock Exchange, that sort of thing. I mean, those those exchanges have listing requirements. So, if your stock is under a dollar for a set amount of time, then you're in danger of being delisted. So, it's not to say that a a business doesn't have good reasons for executing a, a reverse stock split, but as you said, holy cow, does that mean that everything that has come Right up until the moment of the reverse stock split has been bad. Yeah, and and all right. So there are a little there are some costs involved in the paperwork of, of making you know a, a reverse stock split. You know when you cut your dividend, that is a real capital allocation decision. We we don't have the capital to keep paying the dividend at the level we were. Basically, we you know we need to do this to support the business is what's being conveyed there, but. It can be a good sign in that, wow, people already had processed that a dividend would have to be cut. Now, finally, management is making the right move. So, a stock might move up on a dividend cut. Doesn't usually because it's usually a surprise and it's usually a signal that you know things are bad. Stocks, the reverse stock split, the stock price is there hanging around, telling you things have been very, very, very bad, and you're just trying to make a cosmetic change, really. Speaking of stock splits, I'm pretty sure that general topic is going to come up later today on YouTube Live, uh, which I mentioned the other day. Um, we're doing live Q and A's on YouTube on the Motley Fool's YouTube channel. You can check those out. We're doing those weekly now. Um, we'll have a set topic, and then we'll take questions from the audience and uh, provide stock ideas. And if you're looking for even more stock ideas, you can check out our flagship service, Stock Advisor, by going to stockideas.fool.com. That's a special URL just for our dozens of listeners. You get 50% off Stock Advisor. So go to stockideas.fool.com. A quick shout out, as mentioned, our man on the other side of the glass, Dan Boyd, so happy today. Tired, but so happy with the Washington Nationals victory. And also on the other side of the glass, shout out to Denise and Bill Sloan, who are visiting from Portland, Oregon. Absolutely. Have you been to Portland? Portland, I think, is. Like number one or two on the list of cities that I've still never been to, and that when I mention that, everyone who's ever been there is like, you got, you got to go to Portland. Yeah, yeah. The only flaw in your analysis is considering it might be number two. Because, first of all, Portland, great city. I went there a couple of years ago and, and went with no particular expectations except meeting up with a friend of mine uh, who was living there and uh, just loved every part of it. And for you, of course, uh, Portland takes a backseat to no one in its worship of coffee. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of cities out there that love their coffee and and do well by coffee. I, those, are, those are fighting words. To okay. <laughs> actual. I'm, I'm just, let me throw out another city that's Portland. a little smart. A, a, a city I've been to a couple of times and really like Flagstaff, Arizona. That's a really nice city, smaller than Portland, Oregon. But Flagstaff would probably say. 
Uh, we we do a pretty good job with coffee. They, uh, and they do. Baristas per capita can't compare. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't know you had an actual metric you were using. I'm making one up. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, how great would that be if if Starbucks just slipped that into the next earnings call? It's like yeah, and you know, and when when you weigh that against baristas yeah, per capita, they won't do that. They're gonna they're gonna tell you, oh, Seattle's the the home of coffee. Oh, I wasn't suggesting that they were going to play up Portland, Oregon. Of course, you know Seattle being there where their headquarters are located. I'm just saying the metric, your faux metric of baristas per capita. I'm sure that once Portland gets, uh, you know, a baseball team, great baseball town, by the way. Don't uh, they have a Triple A team? Yeah, they, yeah. Okay. I, they think they should be the baristas when they finally get a major league team. Wouldn't that be the best part of owning a minor league team, though? Is just be, like being able to name it whatever you want. Because I feel like if if you had all the money in the world, you would do that. You would you would give it some name like the, I don't know if it was a Pennsylvania-based minor league team. You would whether they wanted a sponsorship or not. There's a decent chance you'd name it the you know the the Wilkes Bar Wawas or something like that. Um, but you know all things being equal, I could see you naming a baseball team the Baristas in your eccentric billionaire way. I mean, I get where you're going with with Wawa, but it needs to be pointed out that. There are people out there, and people who do this in where I went to college, who would refer to it as Wawa's, and it is not Wawa's, it is Wawa. Now, the plural of Wawa would be Wawa's, but they, they somehow thought that the store name was called Wawa's. This is people you went to school with? Yes. Otherwise, seemingly educated people. Well, that's what you get for expecting. They try, try saying that in Philly. Yeah, try it. I mean, that's what you get for expecting things from you know people who go to Yale, I guess. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to mfamfunds.com. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I want to lay down a challenge for you, Barker. Yes, sir. I want you to come on this show every week for a month, and you cannot mention Wawa for one month. He brought it up. He brought it up. Did you see me going? What was I going to do? I was the one who brought it up. I, I... Okay. I have done I that many both times. You guys many times I have not mentioned Weekly Wawa. shows for a month, and you can't mention Wawa. To me, the most Did we mentioned it obliquely. No, 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 like, no, no. So that only no. you know you that cannot, we're talking you, no, no, about. No, no, no. You how about this? Like, without about the this? name, how about this? You can't talk about a stupid gas station and how great it is at all. You know, it's be, not a gas station. The gas is is to totally superfluous to what Wawa really is. Um, there was no Wawa gas station when I was growing up anywhere. Um, you it's know what not would be the most that's... interesting part of Dan's challenge? You know what's not the most interesting thing people can talk about? it. The, their favorite gas station food choices. The most interesting part... You know, Bill, I really like going down to Wawa down or off 95 <laughs> and getting a couple of hoagies <laughs> with some maybe some salami and some cheese. Which yeah, that's a good lunch, don't you think? Which of the D.C. Wawa locations that you have been to since there are three or four that have opened uh, in the last 20, uh, 18 months have gas. None of them. Not the one downtown by the White House. The one in not Lorton, the one in Georgetown. The one in not the one in AU station. Park. The one in Lorton has a gas station. And they're all thriving. It's coming. It's taking over. The it's, most it's, interesting it's, part of Dan's challenge 
would be if we actually did this, like you were on every week for a month, and there was no mention of Wawa. I bet we would get email from people. No, no, it's only if we didn't mention coffee. No, we 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 haven't mentioned Wawa. Could be all both, that many but times. I, I bet there'd it be just, people who would be like, just, "What's wrong with Barker?" Dan, you know what's you know what, Chris? You know what I want to talk about today? A regional gas station. That's what I want to talk, Let's talk about, about today. Bucky's. Right, you know what? Probably about as many people would be interested in talking about Wawa as the Nationals. Hard for you to believe, but.